you're going to do Trump's voice or are you going to do no. just, just I'm going to I'm going to go Shakespearean. Hey there, welcome to Hot Takedown, the show where the hot takes of the sports world meet the numbers that prove them right or tear them down. Today is December 15th, 2020, and I'm Sarah Ziegler, the sports editor at 538. Joining me in New York City is senior sports writer Neil Payne. Hi, Neil. Hi, Sarah. How's it going? It's going great. How about you? <laughs> oh, you know, just a couple weeks before Christmas. Love it. Love this time of year. We're bracing for a big snowstorm. Right, oh. yeah. Get that That's holiday great. shopping in early. Make your travel plans. You know, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. All, all of that stuff. And from Los Angeles is 538 contributor Jeff Foster. Hi, Jeff. Hi. How are you guys? Good morning. Good morning to you. Uh, did you guys did you guys stay up late and watch the the Monday night football game last night? The game of the I did. Year? It was actually good. It was actually yeah. good. It was highly entertaining. I was watching on my phone. How often is <laughs> Sam? I, I actually was watching it on my phone too. <laughs> so we were all lagged. Like we didn't know what had actually happened for like a good ten to fifteen seconds after it happened. I know. I had to like I had to not check my text messages because people were you know it was one of those games where you're getting text messages and. I, because those people were definitely ahead of me, but you know, it had a, it had a, you know, Danny LaRusso is going to fight moment with Lamar running out of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he had cramps. We don't know what kind of cramps, but but he did seem fine. <laughs> also, it was a scoregami, which is cool. The score was the first ever score in an NFL game, forty-seven to forty-two, oh, thanks to awesome. that safety at the end. Also. That Which covered safety. the spread. Yeah, some people, that, some people noticed that. Not some, me. Some, not maybe you. me. Maybe <laughs> me. Definitely me. But some people noticed that. Um, well, so moving on from that to our football survivor pool, big developments this week. We all bet against our own teams last week, so that was fun. <laughs> so we all won, no matter what. Um, but Jeff and I won points by picking the Seahawks over the Jets and the Bucks over the Vikings. Neil only won a moral victory with Jalen Hurts outperforming Taysom Hill and the Eagles win over the Saints. Sometimes so, moral victories are the best kind of victories. So, well, sure, yeah. <laughs> I won special points because I was the only one who had the opponent pull their starters in the third quarter. <laughs> um, yes. I win. I should get negative points for my kicker missing four Yeah, kicks. what was happening there? Four kicks <laughs> and then they just stopped kicking well yeah he why, just why not? Yeah. <laughs> which i guess is what you do when you're <laughs> but he's still it's not like a college situation or he was hurt they just had no confidence in him yeah that was the vikings uh saga of kicking continues which is great anyway can so they the... sign sarah fuller <laughs> i mean <laughs> uh so the points now stand neil at 10 sarah at 10 jeff at nine so there's st- it's still it's still anybody's game. Uh, the order this week is Neil, Sarah, Jeff, Neil. Who you got? Yeah. So I unfortunately already took the Rams earlier because I had my eye on that Jets Rams game. But uh, instead, I'm going to take. I believe I have not yet taken the Ravens. Feel much better about them after last night, at least about Lamar Jackson and their offense. And uh, I don't have that many concerns about their defense going up against the immortal uh, Gardner Minshew. So I'm going to take the Ravens over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nice. Um, Good pick. So I am going to take, again, I have this thing right now where I take teams after they just lost and then like hope that that is going to be okay. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it and I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are playing uh, the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday night. So I'll have a long way to wait to see if my, my pick works, but I, I, I feel good about that. All right, That's Jeff, what about you? Them. They, they need some rest. They've played That's three true. games in, in five days, so they'll, they'll be fine. That's a good pick. I'm going to take the Rams. I haven't taken the Rams. I'm shocked to learn that I haven't taken the Rams. So this is the easiest decision ever. 
17, what, 17 point favorites? Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, I took the Rams in week two and Neil did in week three. So this, uh, this game All this mocking of me about how I was using all the good teams early. And then look at this. Uh, All right. Well, we will see how those picks turn out this weekend. On today's show, we'll talk about the latest franchise that made the decision to change its team name and why that new name should be simply Cleveland baseball team. We'll also check in with college football and prepare for any last minute surprises that might shake up the playoff. And finally, we'll take a deep dive into data with our rabbit hole of the week. On Sunday, Cleveland's baseball team announced that it will change its name from the Indians, though there won't be an immediate change. The team will still use the name for the 2021 season. But just like the franchise phased out its Chief Wahoo mascot a couple of years ago, it will also phase out the name it's used since 1915. This decision comes after the end of a committee process that began in July, just hours after the Washington football team announced its name change. Both things occurred, of course, after the police killing of George Floyd sparked mass protests for racial justice across the U.S. and around the world. A five-month review period seems like it makes a fair amount of sense for a corporation to evaluate the effectiveness of its brand and come to a decision. But at least one person was taken off guard by Cleveland's announcement. Uh, Neil, I think you have a, um, a, uh, a dramatic reading of a tweet for us. Sure. <clears throat> Let me just get warmed up for my acting debut. Oh no! What is going on? This is not good news, even for Indians. Cancel culture at work! I... I'm not sure what voice that was, but I, like I love it. <laughs> that was the dramatic was, reading voice. That was amazing. I wish that, Trump talked like that. Yeah. yeah, I know. Imagine how much funnier the last four years would have been. Mm, mm-hmm. There are bad things happening in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> that was a tweet from uh, none other than President Trump. Something about the what is going on. What is, is going very- on? It's very that's very funny to me because of course we know what's going on here. <laughs> Cleveland is following a trend of pro college and even high school teams that are changing their names and mascots to be less offensive. On the one hand, this is just the most literal definition of cancel ca- cancel culture, right? On the other, it's a brand recognizing the problems of its image and changing that so as not to risk the brand, which is a pretty classic example of the free market at work. Neil, should they have waited to announce this change until they were actually ready to make the transition? I mean, I don't know. I I think it it smacks a little bit of like uh, they see that Washington football team has been relatively successful with this uh, change and that they were kind of the first ones to jump in. And so uh, Cleveland baseball team is now like, wait, 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 wait. We're doing this too. You know, don't worry, guys. We're going to do this. Just give us a little bit of time, not the 2021 season, but, you know, we'll totally do it down the line. We just want to plant our flag. So it's really just sort of like a, I don't know, almost like a pre-announcement uh, to the actual announcement, yet they're not actually making a change. I don't know. I mean, it would have maybe made more sense if they had waited until they actually had a plan uh, to, and, and like a, a replacement name. Uh, then again, we saw Washington. They didn't really have a, a replacement name in hand. They just, you know, they were under such pressure um, over the summer to make the change that they just did it. Uh, and, and now I kind of hope their placeholder name is their long-term name. And right. I don't, and, and since they were the first ones to do that, I mean, if, if Cleveland, they, they can't really go the whole baseball team route. Now they have to kind of figure out, um, what's like another thing to do that would be, uh, they have to come up with a real name, I guess, uh, is, is my feeling. Well, and they have said that they're not going to use an interim name. So I guess they're, 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 they're just taking it off the table. So <laughs> So they announced several months ago that they were thinking about changing their name. And then they announced that they're changing their name, but not yet. They're, they're going to keep it for another year while they think about it some more. Are they just 
stalling? I mean, what? <laughs> That's what I found so interesting about this is that I think probably they could have just waited. You know, they weathered the the storm of all the criticism over the summer, especially after Washington changed its name. And you know, could have probably ignored it going forward for at least a little while longer. Um, but, may, you know, maybe credit to them that they're sort of seeing like, like you said, Sarah, I mean, the writing is on the wall for at least the Cleveland baseball team. We're, we'll we'll t- probably talk about the Atlanta baseball team and the Kansas City football team and all these other teams down the line, uh, certainly the less egregious ones. But now that uh, Washington's name is off the board, suddenly Cleveland is on the clock for theirs, and it is more egregious. Uh, it, it has now taken the crown as the most egregious uh, remaining example. Well, I mean, that's why I think this, the timing of this is is actually sort of interesting to me, because they didn't have to do this now. They might not have had to do it at all, really. I mean, you know, these things kind of come and go, and it's possible they could have just written it out and and sort of just moved on. I mean, they were going to have people mad about it, but they've had people mad about it for quite a while and not done anything. So I sort of wonder if they announced it now to just like, this is, this is setting, (laughs) setting their fans up for what's going to happen. Like there are going to be people who don't want to do this and there's going to, they're going to, they're going to need some time to get used to it. Right. So in that regard, I feel like it's like, let's start this now you have more time to get used to it. Next season will be the last with this name. Then we'll change it and we can all move on. I mean, I sort that's of a like great that. point. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Sarah, setting them up sort of like for the, the, the big change ahead and, and letting them down easy because there have been, even over the summer when it was floated that they might change the name, uh, there was polling done by um, uh, the local Cleveland paper, maybe the, like the plane dealer or whatever uh, that, asked fans how they felt about potentially changing the name. And uh, perhaps not surprisingly, the vast majority of them were opposed to changing the name. So I do think that it does, you know, require a little bit of um, letting them down easy. Yeah. The, the weird thing is that the, they do have a very, e- like everyone loves the spiders as a name, which is one of their old names before the naps or whatever it, it it's a name they used to have and they have a logo, which I saw going around Twitter everywhere and everyone loves that. So just change it. You got a great, you sell a lot of merch. Look at all the product that'll move off the shelves with the hats and the shirts. Now, are we worried that the spiders are associated with literally the worst team in baseball history, the losingest team in history? Does that carry uh, any significance? I know it's been a hundred years or whatever. Well, I, I mean, know. yeah, I, I guess I don't feel like it does, but I, but I think maybe you do, Neil. No, I don't know. I don't really know. But when I think about the Cleveland Spiders, I do think about like, to the extent any of us ever truly think about the Cleveland Spiders, the the <laughs> one thing that you think about is the um the the all time record for most you know worst winning percentage or most losses or whatever it was yeah. because their owner. Uh, bought another team and then traded all of the good players from the Spiders to this other team so that the Spiders were basically just a farm team for um, the the owner's second preferred team. And that's how they got to lose all those. So this could be redemption, redemption for the Spiders. Also, what the great winning legacy of the current team that hasn't won a World Series in 75 years. Yeah, it's sort of like that that name just is, you know, synonymous with winning. (laughs) Oh, I think we could totally see a situation where they change it to the spiders and then all of a sudden they win a World Series. Who doesn't love that narrative? Right? Wouldn't that be amazing? What happens if if Washington wins the Super Bowl this year? Then they have to keep that name, right? Well, that would be confusing for lots of reasons. But yes, it would be be (laughs) amazing. They're good. They're They're not good. They're probably going to make the playoffs. Well, Well, I think that speaks to the NFC East. Yeah. (laughs) Now, could they become the Washington Super Bowls? That would be a big flex if they, um, after (laughs) winning the Super Bowl, they're like, we've dropped the football team. We're the Washington (laughs) Super Bowls. Come at us. (laughs) It's getting kind of meta. The Washington NFLs. That's that's out of control. I do think, I mean, I feel like, for me anyway, the Spiders is like, just the coolest name that Cleveland could go with. I the saw, logo, have you seen the logo? The logo is great. Yeah. I mean, like think of all the cool things you could do. Like, man, October would just, if you play in October, if you make the playoffs, it's just like, 
scary like spider webs all over the place it's like built-in easy marketing there should uh, be more teams named after bugs we don't <laughs> see it enough that's so true the thing i like about spiders is the like oh it's because it's this it's the name of this old timey team it like connects to baseball tradition and i think that's that's one of the biggest problems we have when when we're thinking about naming new teams that they they sound they sound new and weird and silly because every team name is weird and silly it's just that we've gotten used to them right like the twins is a not a scary or um, imposing or anything team name. It's kind of dumb, but we're, we're used to it. So it doesn't bother us. Unless they're talking about the little girls in The Shining, in that- which case it is scary. <laughs> but uh, no, I think, that, I think that also the advantage of Spider, yeah, like oftentimes they, they have to sort of delve into the the singular amorphous concept names for new teams now or, for, you know, expansion teams uh, because all of the traditional animal-based ones are already taken but yeah spiders not taken it's an animal uh it's it's scary you know i'm coming around on it (laughs) but would we say like who could forget manny ramirez in the 1997 spiders against the marlins what a what a what a great uh world series that was so i don't know i mean i guess we'll have to just like it's a little complicated even now with football team it's funny to say Mark Rippon led the 1991 football team to the Super Bowl, but like I guess that's what we're gonna have to do now. Are we gonna call them the the 1997 Spiders? Man, who could who could remember the the 95 World Series when the Atlanta team name redacted faced the <laughs> Cleveland Spiders? Man, what a great World Series! Well, there's been other teams to to tinker with their names, you know, be, beyond the Angels, like the Rays did. I mean, how do you refer to those early Rays teams? Do you say the Rays? I think you just or... don't, right? <laughs> well, why would you ever <laughs> they, talk they about were those teams? Okay, so one example of this that I've come up against recently in editing a story is talking about the Miami Marlins before they were the Miami Marlins there when they go. were the Florida Marlins. One. And it's like... We call well, them how... the Florida Marlins, right? Yeah, but like... Yes. And that's what they were. And that's what we called them. You know, it took me a second to be like, right, they weren't (laughs) Miami then. And I do think there'll be like a gradual, maybe in a hundred years, people won't remember, oh, was that you're the Indians or the spiders or whatever they come up with. But I, I do think now, I mean, there'll be, there will be sort of two versions of this team in our heads once there's a little bit of a you know, once we're a couple years into a new, a new logo. And, and I mean, maybe that is kind of unfortunate, but also maybe it's worth it. Like, that's the point, right? It's worth that, like, momentary confusion or a little bit of, like, uncomfortableness to, 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 to stop using a name that people, that is offensive, and that isn't a good representation of, of a team. The Atlanta Braves have said that they are not going to change their name. Might they change their tune after this? Uh, yeah, great question. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think that, yeah, they're, you know, now that Cleveland has um, made the, or said it plans to eventually make the change, uh, I think that the top of the priority list will then become the Braves. Uh, and maybe the Chiefs, you know, Kansas City, um so, so there are still ones left. I think in both of those cases, there are like probably things they can do and we can debate whether or not that would be sort of semant- playing semantic tricks, but there's not a whole lot you can do with what Washington used to call itself. And there isn't that much you can do with what Cleveland is calling itself. So, you know, I think maybe that's where there's a distinction is with the Braves and the Chiefs. Yes, we know the origin of those, but maybe if they back away from some of the imagery uh, and lean into the the word them uh, the words themselves, maybe they could, um, you know, not have to change the name while also placating people. I think a lot of this is political. I mean, I think Cleveland was in the crosshairs for a long time because of Chief Wahoo, which was really offensive and arguably more offensive and more damaging than than Washington's name. Um, so I think that's why they're they're doing this now. A lot of it stems from that because they can't shake that mascot. It, it was too it also had a resurgence where it was like hipsters were wearing it for a long time and 
it's it just you see it everywhere if you look at it, uh, the crowd at an Indians game. Um, so I think, you know, the Braves with the chop also got a lot of attention and, you know, they're, they're going to ban it or whatever. But I think that is pretty damaging and offends a lot of people. So I also think that, by the way, the Blackhawks um, yeah. might be yes. the next might be the next team to change. I think they're they're very precious about their name because they're an original six. Ooh, and I, the NHL original six teams are sacred. But that name actually gets a lot of backlash from from the local Native American groups. Well, how, how about it, the logo? I mean, I the think logo the logo too. The logo as well. So, so I I wouldn't be surprised if they were the next to change, especially. Because this is, let's face it, you you read the Trump tweet. This is a political issue. It's a very easy issue for Republicans to come out against. It's it's like red meat for their base. Um, we already saw uh, uh, Purdue and Loeffler uh, come say, oh, the, the Braves need to keep their name. It's about our heritage as one of Atlanta's most important cities. I mean, that was like a no-brainer comment because that's just like the easiest thing for them to say. Well, and I'm curious about how popular these are because I haven't been able to find um, recent polling, especially about Washington's uh, name change. But I did find a poll from 2014 where 83% of uh, people said that they shouldn't change the name. I assume that's changed um, and and, and uh, d- decreased in the years since and per- perhaps especially in 2020. But it is worth noting that uh, these types of changes, not just among the fan base uh, itself, but in terms of just Americans in general are kind of unpopular. Uh, but then again, there's a lot of changes that are unpopular at the time that we kind of look back in uh, uh, with the benefit of, of the passing of time and history and say, oh, well, why wasn't this a no brainer? No one likes change, period. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. the thing. No, no change is ever going to be good unless you re- unless the the fan base uniformly hates their name, which I, I'm sure exists in some, but probably not for a name that's been around for a while. What about the know? Jets? I mean, the fan base hates the oh, team. I, Jets fans, I could speak for Jets fans. We're so done. We don't. I mean, they could change the name to the Cockroaches, and we'd be fine. <laughs> fine, makes sense. That would be better. <laughs> There's a lot of cockroaches in New York. <laughs> it, it, it would. Yeah, it's a local animal. That would be perfect. Yeah. What about the pizza rats? <laughs> New York sure. pizza rats. As long as Adam Gase is the co- isn't the coach, I think Jets fans would be fine with any a, of those options. It's a boring name, by the way. It's we're named after planes because our original stadium was, which we're nowhere near, is was near an airport. I mean, like, who cares? I actually they didn't know have, that. That's know where that came from. Like, lucky a, a fire truck wasn't going by. Oh, fire <laughs> trucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's one way to name. Team, I do wonder if the Washington just the absurdity of of calling them football team is helping people like ease away from the old name and uh, it's making it funny. And I love it. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of non Washington fans certainly love it. I'm not. I would be very interested to see polling on whether Washington fans do. All right. Well, we might know more about the Cleveland decision as early as this week, though maybe not whether. My preferred option will be the chosen one. We will take a quick break and be back in a moment to talk about college football. There were a couple of really nice firsts in college football over the weekend. Sarah Fuller, who we talked about a couple weeks ago as the first woman to play in a Power 5 game, became the first woman to score in a Power 5 game, kicking two extra points for Vanderbilt against Tennessee. And running back Jackson He became the first Chinese-born player to score a touchdown in an FBS game, in a rivalry game, in fact, between his Arizona State Sun Devils and the Arizona Wildcats. But we are not here just to talk about nice things. No, we are going to talk about the college football playoff. (laughs) Sorry. The playoff picture got a little clearer over the weekend with Florida's loss to a, let's go with struggling LSU team. There are still big conference titles on the line this weekend, too. Alabama takes on the now two-loss Gators in the SEC. Clemson and Notre Dame face off in the ACC. Oklahoma and Iowa State play in the Big 12. Washington, no wait, Oregon is playing USC in the Pac-12. Oof, what a mess. 
One conference, though, had to change the rules for its title game. The Big Ten had set the number of necessary games to be eligible for the championship at six. But because of COVID outbreaks on its own team and teams it was supposed to face, Ohio State has played only five games. The conference apparently saw the costly error of its ways and changed those rules, allowing the Buckeyes to face off against the Northwestern Wildcats on Saturday. So Ohio State, with five games played thus far, is ranked number four by the playoff committee and is in position for one of those four playoff spots. The Buckeyes are ahead of other unbeaten teams that have played many more games. And they're also ahead of teams that have lost one or two, but that face the possibility of a loss many more times than has OSU. Not everyone is happy about this state of affairs, including Dan Mullen, Florida's head coach. He had this to say about making the playoffs after his team's loss to LSU on Saturday. I don't have a vote on that. I'm not in the room. You know what I mean? I know we've played 10 games, right? So I guess probably the best thing to do would have been play less games because you seem to get rewarded for not playing this year in college football. So let's just get into it. Does Mullen have a point? Is he too salty or both? (laughs) Jeff, should Ohio State be ranked fourth with only five games played? You know, this actually, and I'm saying this as a Michigan fan, this does not bother me at all. They just, Look, the games that were canceled were against Maryland, a terrible Michigan team, and Illinois. It's safe to assume that they would have won all those games. So I'm just going to go ahead and give them those wins. <laughs> um, okay, and then okay. they, they have those wins. No one complains. They did beat, you know, an important thing is that they beat Indiana, who's the other team in the East that that is pretty good and ranked in the top 10. And they have that win. So there's really no one. There's no one else. And then you look at the rest of the division. No one else in that division should be going to a a Big Ten championship. So I'm fine with it. Dan Mullen needs to relax, I think. Or, Or just maybe win all your games and you're conference schedule a lot of i mean he plays in the sec and you're talking about a big 10 team i mean it's not really apples to apples here well but that's sort of the point right like you're giving ohio state those wins we would have given florida the lsu win too and they didn't win and so now their their playoff hopes are over so, I mean, maybe Ohio State doesn't beat Michigan. Okay, they probably would have beaten Michigan. Yeah, let's, Sarah, <laughs> please. But really, isn't that about on par? LSU is bad. It, it, the only question of whether they would have beaten Michigan by 50 or not. Um, <laughs> but the SEC is tough. I mean, it, there's more parity. And even as dominant as uh, Alabama is, the rank and file SEC team is way better than the rank and file Big Ten team. And it's yeah, been that I way fully for a while. agree. So, why are we giving the winner of the Big Ten a free pass into the college football playoff? The Big Ten is not good. There are very few good teams in the Big Ten. And we don't really know if those teams are how those teams are because they didn't play anybody else outside of their conference. We've just seen the games and how terrible they are within the conference. And we, we said that this was going to be a problem. Going into the season, we said that the lack of cross-conference comparison uh, would would make it impossible to know who has played the best or who is the best, and that they would probably default back to their previous prior expectations about each team, which goes to exactly what you were saying, Sarah. They're giving the benefit of the doubt to Ohio State in a way that they would not give the benefit of the doubt to anybody else. Like, look at USC. Uh, for instance, they're five and zero. You know, they're uh, probably not going to make the playoff. I think you know it's going to be a numbers game for them unless something weird happens in the um, in the conference championship weekend. Uh, but you know, what 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 claim do, does Ohio State have that USC doesn't have? Except that Ohio State has been a lot more successful recently than USC, and probably if you ask like the betting you know markets or whatever, they're almost certainly the better team, but like that's what we're using now. That's what we're going to have to use this year. Yeah. I mean, it, look it, a 14 playoff. You're going to always have these problems. I mean, just to clarify, I was specifically talking about the, the big 10 championship. Um, I, I still think they are probably a better team than the other teams that are in contention here with maybe an exception is Texas A&M, but certainly USC that, 
struggled, needed a miracle to beat Arizona State and then needed another miracle to beat UCLA and then barely beat an Arizona team that lost by 70 points um, last week. So, you know, their resume is, to me, just on style points, which it's a shame that it has to go to style points. I think that it's kind of an ugly thing in college football that, you know, you're basically forcing these teams to run up the score against teams that are, have no business competing against um, some of their competition. Um, but that, that's just the, that's just the only thing we, cause we don't have enough wins and losses and we don't have out of conference games. I mean, what else, there's really nothing else to judge it on. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's right. I USC definitely has not looked great. And they're they're ranked 14th in ESPN's football power index. The Buckeyes are second. Though I like I mean, I think any rating like that is just flawed this year. There and and I don't feel like we have like come to accept that. I think we still are trying to pretend that this is a normal year and we can still just give teams rankings or or other ratings and like call it a day but we don't we just don't know anything about these teams well and this is again another thing that we've talked about is when notre dame goes 10 and 0 notre dame's getting in the playoff like you better believe that and so that really <laughs> nine I think, and one. <laughs> right oh, yeah no for sure but i mean especially you know it's very funny how so clemson is nine and one in the same conference this year, by the way. Uh, and and their one loss was to Notre Dame. But we're not going to count that loss against Clemson because Trevor Lawrence wasn't there. But we are going to count it in favor of Notre Dame uh, because that's like the weird logic of the double standards of college football where it's like if Notre Dame is remotely – uh, you know, close to being undefeated, they are just going to get rubber stamped in every bit as much as Ohio State. And and we're going to end up with the same four playoff teams that basically we have every year. I know Notre Dame, you know, is not always in it. And, and LSU has been in it before. And, you know, there's been this, that, and the other. But you're talking about Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Clemson as the final four. And you know, it's been a weird, it's, it's been weirdly predictable in sports this year in general. Uh, whereas we were thinking that, you know, we might have to slap a bunch of asterisks on all the champions because they're going to be weird. And you have like the Dodgers win the World Series, the Lakers win the NBA championship, the Chiefs are the favorites to win the Super Bowl. So you've got, you know, the Lightning, they were the preseason favorites, they win the Stanley Cup. So in some ways, this is like just a continuation of that. But in those sports, those champions had to prove it. They had to actually play through the playoffs and and actually prove it. Whereas in college football, more so this year than any other year, it just seems like you get rubber stamped in if you have that prestige factor. Uh, and anybody that doesn't have that doesn't really have a chance. Like poor Cincinnati, you know, they're eight and zero. They've made their case uh, as as much as probably Ohio State has, if we're being totally honest about it. Oh, and sure. they're not going to make it. I think that's what makes me the most frustrated, <clears throat> because this was the chance that 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 we could change what was a broken system already, and now it's like it's so much. It's even more obvious to me how broken it is, and it just it doesn't feel like anything it's going to change again. We're just going to ride it out. Pretend this season is normal, make up rules as we go. I mean, the, the funny thing to me about the big 10 and I, and it's not that I think that Ohio state should not have been in the big 10 championship. I do think that if you're going to put rules in place for whatever reason that they did, I, I mean, my assumption was that they put that rule, the game minimum in place to encourage like good behavior by the teams to like, make sure they didn't catch this disease and were careful and whatever, but then they didn't hold the teams to that. So what was the point of it ever in the first place? In some cases it was the opponent that had the COVID problem. Uh, Ohio state also did have one. And in fact, I'm just saying it wasn't. Yeah. This weird, weird podcast that I'm here. I'm I'm here defending. Noted Buckeye fan, Jeff Foster. But, but I actually think you, as an Iowa State fan, have serious uh, reason to to have issues with this current, the way the playoff is shaping up. Because, it, frankly, if Iowa State beats Oklahoma again, I, I think they have a, a great case, a better case than Ohio State this year. See, I, see and I actually, I, 
I don't. I think there are other teams that have. A, oh, I think Cincinnati. you just hate your teams. No, I don't. I love my team. I love my team, but I'm real. I guess they have two team. losses. I forgot they, they lost to losses. Oklahoma State. Yeah. Yeah. Guess okay. what? Though they, it. I take it back. I retract the Iowa State <laughs> comment. I forgot hey. they lost to Oklahoma, uh, Louisiana. At eight and two, there are more games over 500 than Ohio State is. Just hey, putting that out there. Look at that. <laughs> but they definitely have. You know, two wins. If they were to theoretically have two wins of over Oklahoma, win right. over Texas, Kansas yeah. State, West Virginia, Baylor, which are all good wins. I mean that that's certainly more impressive. And that's Dan Mullen's point too. Uh, like you had said, Sarah is like you know the Louisiana game for Iowa State. Gosh, if we got to assume that they would win that one, they would have an extra win also. You know, so it's like these assume away uh, wins for for Ohio State if the games were played. That mentality, but not every team gets that. Only only Ohio State gets that. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you know the the SEC. I mean, Texas A and M has one loss, and it was to Alabama. So Clemson has one loss and it was to Notre Dame. What what's the difference there? I mean, we're sort of assuming that Clemson's going to make it maybe even if they lose to Notre Dame again. And, I don't think and, they'll make it if they lose to Notre Dame again. You don't. Interesting. Yeah. That would be a tough ask, but uh, yeah. I wouldn't put it past the committee. We'll put it that way. But um, that would be really interesting, by the way, if we're talking about things that could um, shake things up because I think we're all kind of expecting uh, Clemson to be able to maybe avenge that loss. Uh, and that would give us sort of the symmetry. It would actually make things even more confusing because it would be like, well, I guess Clemson was better than uh, if they had had Lawrence, they would have beaten Notre Dame the first time around. But then that's another thing where we're assuming, well, then wouldn't you assume that Notre Dame would have two losses then instead right. of just the one? Right. Uh, but again, there's like no logical internal consistency to the 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 uh, logical backflips that are being made uh, to kind of make each team's case that would result in the four that will be the four, I think, most likely uh, to make it making it because it's like, well, you have to consider this game to count, but this other one not to count, but it counts for one team, but not for the other. So is the committee like, are they, are they going to stick with that for just because, because it is the most normal and then they don't have to confront, well, something about this should change for future years. I mean, is that, do you think that's part of this calculus? Are they just trying to keep things as like, I Personally, I think it's just money. I, I think it's it's the TV deal. The, the the ESPN TV deal runs, I think, through the 2024 season. Um, I think if they know if they have, they can renegotiate with um, a new deal with all those, you know, huge cash cow playoff games. I think they can really cash in. And, and I think even the smaller conferences, um, you know, the group of five conferences know that they will make even more money. Uh, downstream from a, a huge TV deal where they can they can sell those games because right now what would happen is those you know New Year's New Year's games would just become playoff games and it, it would be the same TV deal and they're not going to really cash in on that the way they would in a couple of years but it's 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 pretty cynical and sad but it really is you know Washington didn't change their football name uh, their their team name until you know FedEx and other sponsors were were threatening so it really is money that is often behind or always behind the decision making here and I think they have cover by the fact that uh, the next teams that you would put in have like weaknesses that you could point to and say, oh, well, you know, Cincinnati didn't play a tough enough schedule or USC hasn't played enough teams or this, that or the other. If you look at something like the football power index at uh, ESPN, which tries to measure like basically how talented, how good uh, is each team, it's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, that makes sense as the top three uh, in terms of talent. Then you got Georgia, like you, men uh, you mentioned, Jeff. I mean, they are playing, uh, on paper at least, they would probably be deserving, but they have two losses. Same with Oklahoma, uh, who's up there, and and same with Florida, frankly. Uh, so when, when we're talking about who is sort of the next best option, especially if something gets upset in this weekend, I, th I think that uh, unless there is a big upset or something that shakes things up, you're going to go with those four teams because the alternatives uh, are, are not that attractive resume wise, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. I think if Florida beats Alabama, even with the, the loss uh, Saturday to LSU, I think you almost have to put Florida in with two losses. I mean, that because they beat Alabama, who just looked historically dominant. And then you, you got also to, put in Alabama. So in that case, I think on Ohio State, if, if they just squeak one out against Northwestern um, or uh, Clemson, if, if they were to lose to Notre Dame or, you know, one of the ACC teams or, or probably most likely Ohio State, if that were to happen, would be left out. Well, we're set up for <laughs> – there could be some uh, some chaos here if some of these uh, if some of these outcomes don't go like we think they'll go. But I want if, the, I want the shots in the playoffs. Coastal Carolina, that team is the team of destiny. I guess I want I want Louisiana to beat Coastal Carolina because that Don't improves that. Iowa State's resume. So <laughs> oh, yeah, that's man. a signature that's win. My, yeah, against a team that had a signature win. It's like a second level <laughs> signature win. But I mean, to put it in perspective, Alabama is a seventeen point favorite over number six Florida, and Clemson is a ten and a half point favorite over number two Notre Dame. So you know, we're talking about like the 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 top teams are perceived as being like significantly yeah. better than even sort of like the next tier of teams or teams that will make the playoff most likely, even if those those outcomes hold. So uh, I think that that is kind of the stark reality of college football is like we're complaining about teams not getting a chance because the politics of the playoff but there's also huge talent disparities that sort of start at the you know the the pipeline uh for this inequality college football inequality uh (laughs) it's it's sort of like it it starts way back in like recruiting and you know all this stuff four years ago you know uh the 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 changes are sort of um the decisions that teams made are, are making a difference things now i i mean look yeah you're right this is all sort of moot because alabama is going to win the national championship alabama is like they really do seem head and shoulders better than everyone else but if if you're trying to find the best team then then put the put give more teams the chance to prove that they're the best team that's what I want the college football playoff to do. I know I'm a broken record on this, and I know we all agree to on me, this. Eight so it makes not perfect even... sense. You put the five conference winners from the Power Five, you put three wild cards, and you make one of those wild cards have to be a group of five team. Yeah. So easy. whether that's Coastal or or, um, or yeah, whomever, that that actually will probably be controversial in some cases because you often have like two or sure, but at yeah. least you'd be giving you'd be at least be giving people a chance right now. This, I mean, I think we uh, again, we all agree the system is messed up. This would have been the year to change it, and they didn't, and and it feels like they're never going to because they didn't. And it feels like more of a farce than usual, which is also really saying something. Yeah, exactly. All right, well. Hopefully we'll have some chaos this weekend to just throw things into a disarray. Probably we won't. It'll all be boring and then we'll just move on with the same four teams, but (laughs) but we'll find out. (laughs) All right, let's uh, end this here for now. We'll be back in a moment for our rabbit hole of the week. At 538, we often find ourselves falling down various rabbit holes of data. Some lead to stories, some don't. We end each week's show with one of those descents, the hot takedown rabbit hole of the week. What do you have for us, Neil? I have a rabbit hole about streaks. So you might not have known from watching, but Sunday night's Bills-Steelers game marked a at the end of an era in the NFL. And I'm not talking about the era of the Steelers being Super Bowl favorites, although they seem to have some issues that really need some work all of a sudden going into the postseason. What I'm talking about is something that happened because the Bills won. So they brought their record to 10-3 and three and thereby made it statistically impossible for the New England Patriots to win the AFC East. Obviously, that was already kind of a foregone conclusion, but now it's official. And with that, the Patriots streak of 11 straight division championships, poof, it's gone. Now, the 11-season run of division dominance was the longest in NFL history, and not by a small margin either. Uh, Before the Patriots, no team had ever broken into even double digits with a division title streak. The previous records belonged to the L.A. Rams, not of Jared Goff, but of James Shaq Harris and Pat Hayden in the seven seasons from 1973 to 1979. And then behind them are a few teams at six straight years winning the division, the 1950-55 through Cleveland Browns. Shout out to Otto Graham. Sarah, your 73 to 78 Minnesota Vikings with Fran Tarkenton 
and the 74 to 79 Pittsburgh Steelers with Terry Bradshaw quarterback. Uh, amazingly, the Patriots streak could have actually been much longer, potentially extending for as many as 17 seasons uh, because New England had won the AFC East five straight times, which itself is tied for the sixth longest division streak ever from 2002 through 07. That run ended in 2008 after Tom Brady missed basically the whole season with a knee injury and the Miami Dolphins beat the Pats on tiebreakers to take the division. Uh, that was the only time a team other than New England won the AFC East going back to 2002. But if Brady doesn't get hurt there, it seems possible at least, if not likely, that the Pats would have been their usual selves taking the division and potentially bridge the gap between that five-year streak and then the recently ended 11-year one to form a 17-year mega streak of winning the AFC East for the Patriots. If that had happened, the Pats would have had the longest division title streak in all of major pro sports history. As it is, they'll have to take second place behind the Atlanta Braves, our friends from the earlier segment, who won their division 14 straight times from 1991 to 2005. And that's also the only double-digit division-winning streak in baseball history. The Yankees won the AL East nine straight years from 1998 to 2006. Right now, the Dodgers have an eight-year streak going. They could potentially uh, tie the record next year and maybe uh, – or they could potentially tie the Yankees next year and then maybe make an assault on the Braves over uh, the next five years after that. Now, was the Braves' streak more impressive than the Patriots? Well, on the one hand, the Braves had to overcome an average of 4.3 other teams in their division per year during their run. Pats only had to beat out three teams per year. And, of course, uh, the Braves did it for three more years. Then again, I always thought calling that brave streak of 14 straight was kind of fudging at least a little bit. Yes, it's true on a technicality, though, uh, because no division winners were officially crowned in the 1994 season, which ended prematurely and without resolution due to the strike. But when play ceased that year, the Braves trailed the Montreal Expos by six games in the division. And if you look at the baseball gauges playoff odds, the Braves only had an 11 percent chance of winning the East on August 11th, 1994. So it's actually likely the Braves streak would have not begun in 1991, but instead would have had to begin in 1995 and last only 11 years, which would have tied the Patriots if there was no strike. But officially speaking, that season doesn't count. And so the Patriots fall short of the record and they won't make a run at 14 after this season anyway. But I do love the coincidence that the Bills of all teams are the ones to end the patch streak, both because they are on a 24 season division title drought right now, going back to 1995. Uh, but we think that has a 99% chance of ending this year, but also because the Bills and the Atlanta Braves have been kind of linked going back to the 1990s. Both teams lost four championship series or games during that decade apiece. Uh, obviously, the Bills uh, won, uh, lost four straight Super Bowls, didn't win one. The Braves at least won one uh, World Series. So while the Pats won three titles since 2009 during their streak, the Bills were not going to let them have the satisfaction of the longest division-winning streak in sports history. And that's uh, the bit of history that ended on Sunday. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> Just, just out of spite. <laughs> yeah, totally out of spite. <laughs> now, it. Jeff, your Jets. Oh, were the we don't need to. This. We don't need to talk about them. <laughs> the For last many two years, weeks, they've been covered. They've covered the cockroaches too much. <laughs> um, well, we did go to two AFC championships in that out of the wild card. So you know, we'll take that. But I wonder, Neil, is it gotten? With the smaller divisions, it's it's definitely probably gotten easier a little bit. I mean, they used to have the Colts in that division, which actually the Colts were pretty bad for most of the time they were in that division. But I imagine certainly in baseball back in the day when you just had the two divisions, it must have been quite difficult. Yeah, I think it's no coincidence that if you look at either sport's longest division winning streak uh, records, they all kind of come, you know, mostly in this era. Although I thought it was interesting that some of the football ones do go back to like the, the 50s or the 60s or 70s uh, in, in those. But I think that's also an artifact of it was easier to build really dominant teams back then because there was no salary cap and you could kind of like the Steelers had just hall of famers almost at every position uh at one point during the 70s where it's harder to do that uh and i think in in a weird way it it kind of makes it 
I, I don't know whether it offsets it, but uh, probably makes it a wash with the like smaller divisions. But you have the salary cap, which makes it harder to do what Belichick has done uh, over the years versus you know no salary cap but larger divisions uh, in a previous era. I sort of I was re- being reminded of the '94 season. Like I I don't really remember that. I, like obviously I remember the Expos were good. But I don't think of the Braves as not winning that division, even though they didn't because it and it didn't happen. The season didn't happen. And I know the Expos were like winning. I still think of like, oh, the Braves were going to win. So that's fine. Like, it's funny how like you hindsight changes your whole perspective about a team, like knowing how many divisions they did actually win made me just assume they won another that didn't actually even happen. (laughs) Yeah, and that's sort of, uh, you know, that erasure of the Expos as the 1994 NL East champs. You know, they don't get to, I'm assuming, well, for a lot of different reasons, I'm assuming the Nationals don't uh, have a banner saying provisional partial season (laughs) NL East champions 1994 Montreal Expos at at their stadium. Maybe they do. I don't know. Listeners, tell me if I'm wrong about that. But um, (laughs) I do think that that's sort of a fun technicality, but like makes that streak be a little bit more impressive than uh, it, it may have been if, if history played out differently. Yeah, absolutely. So will the, will Belichick rebound and uh, you know, win another 11 more 11 years? More? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, quite see that happening but i do think it was interesting and kind of a testament to him that uh and maybe to tom brady also uh probably <laughs> probably more tom brady uh if if we're basing if we're judging things from this season but that they also had the five year streak which doesn't exactly grow on trees it's it sort of seems kind of uh piddly compared to the 11 year streak uh by patriot standards but it it is interesting and then they had uh, jeff the jets won the 2002 AFC East. Uh, but then the Patriots had won it in 2001. So they actually had like another one year gap. If they had, if the Patriots had won both in 2002 and 2008, I think they would have had like a 20 year or 19 year um, uh, division title streak, if but for those two years where we were saved by the Jets and Dolphins. How sad. How sad that the Patriots didn't, didn't have that massive streak. What, when will good things yeah, happen to, to them? It. Um, All right. Well, that was a very fun journey into (laughs) a thing that I don't mind happening this year. Uh, Thank you for that rabbit hole. And that will do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back in your feed next Tuesday. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. And if you are subscribed, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really does help new people discover the show. You can also email us at podcast at 538.com to let us know what you think. Our podcast producer is Sarah Jackett. Tony Chow is in the virtual control room. And our podcast commissioner is Chad Madlin. For Neil and Jeff, I'm Sarah. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.